I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm delighted to welcome to the show uh, Davy Joes, who is Disruptive Technologies Global Lead at HSBC. And he is frankly one of the world's leading experts on future technology trends. And I'm just absolutely over the moon to have you here, Davy. So thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for having me here, Mick. So, David, what is, um, you know, what's, what I think is occupying a lot of people's time, a lot of media time, and also a lot of investors' time as well, I guess, is, is this concept of the metaverse. And we've obviously seen Facebook change its name to Meta and so forth. But could you give us a sense, you know, I guess, what is the metaverse? How do you think about the metaverse? Sure, Nick, that's a very good question to start with. Look, it, it sounds like a very easy question to answer. Uh, but it's actually quite tough to give a full, concrete definition today. Like, because um, today, uh, nobody really claims to know what exactly uh, the metaverse is eventually going to become, like, say, in 10 years' time. But look, one way to think of the metaverse is that it uh, is the next iteration of the internet, uh, which we've had now in the mainstream since the late 90s, obviously. And it's taken about over, over two decades to get to this point today with billions of people accessing it, you know, to do their work on it, uh, using it for entertainment, socialization, and education. So it might have been quite difficult to envision back then the things you could do on the internet today. So, like, Nick, similarly, it might be difficult to imagine what the metaverse might look in the future, but we can kind of give you a framework, uh, a way to think about the metaverse. So one way to describe the metaverse, Nick, is you can think of it as, as a combination of digital, highly immersive, and experiential technologies uh, that create virtual worlds for users, both for consumers and enterprises. And it has a lot of moving parts in it. So, Nick, look, ultimately what differentiates the metaverse from the internet is the level of immersion. On the internet, you can access, obviously, pages through flat screens. Whereas, like, in the fully uh, fledged uh, metaverse, you will be sort of transported to a, quote, physical space uh, replicated by digital technologies. Um, it's basically to trick your brain into believing you're elsewhere. So, like, that level of immersion can be brought to you through uh, virtual reality headsets, or otherwise called VR headsets. Um, and then you have another type of immersion that can be brought to you through augmented reality headsets, or AR glasses. So whereas VR headsets remove you from the physical reality you're in and redraws that digital reality in front of you, AR headsets, on the other hand, uses special lenses. So to let you remain in the physical space, but place digital objects overlaid over your real space. But, but however, Nick, we've got to note that not everybody today has access to VR and AR glasses, right? right? Yeah. So for various technological and economical reasons at the moment. But today, like one can access these persistent metaverse worlds on 2D devices, uh, like your smartphone or laptop devices, like we're recording this podcast on. So those are some of the type of devices you can access the metaverse on uh, today, 
But, you know, like the metaverse is actually more than just the hardware device, right? The metaverse, in our definition, uh, also includes things like digital content. For example, gaming old engines are often in 3D. And also, for example, things like other IP uh, digital content like movies, TV, social media, music, esports, and education. Um, then also, finally, what you also have is something called the, what we call the digital backbone as part of the metaverse also. For example, digital goods, fintech, blockchain technologies, and things like NFTs, which function as part of the metaverse make. It's um, oh, that's fantastic. A very comprehensive definition. It's, it's great. I, I, I feel like, you know, that you use that word immersion and immersive, and it, it does feel like, you know, that's a, that's a key cornerstone of, of sort of what, it, you know, where we're headed to. I guess HSBC has previously announced its involvement in some metaverse projects, including being the first financial services firm to join uh, the gaming metaverse, the Sandbox, and, and also HSBC built a rugby seven stadium uh, within Sandbox. I guess, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what are the different types of metaverses today and, and, and what can you do with them? Right, uh, right. Sure, Nick. Um, look, today, like what we're seeing is uh, the emergence of a lot of different types of metaverses for different use cases and functionality. So let's start with the uh, enterprise metaverse, right? So this is where you can have colleagues or clients uh, from all over the world um, put on a VR headset, for example, and be transported to a virtual environment. So the applications today um, range from everything from holding virtual meetings in the metaverse to immersively collaborating with colleagues to design, say, physical objects. For example, say that you're an engineer, uh, you can bring your three model into the enterprise metaverse and then work on the design like we do physically in a real room together to foster a better collaboration. For example, like um, we had a client event in the metaverse last year, and we were in this virtual moon base uh, in the sky uh, with a large presentation stage uh, with the clients in their audience seat. So one of the people in the audience actually asked me what the difference between people meeting in Zoom, like that where we are today in the podcast, uh, versus, say, the metaverse there. So I basically jumped off my stage and went to the person and looked them directly in the eye and said, this is the difference. <laughs> now that's immersive. <laughs> yeah. So like, make, uh, in the VR metaverse, you feel this sense of presence, yeah. which goes far beyond like what we're doing now today in 2D video conferencing. Look, the idea is that perhaps this kind of um, presence will enable remote colleagues to build better relationships uh, than over uh, video conferencing technologies. And that's ultimately the key about the world of work, right? You know, it's actually doing the work itself, but the other layer is about building bonds and relationships between colleagues and immersive metaverses uh, could enable this. So on the other end of the scale, like we have also been seeing an increasing number of metaverses for socialization. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, we've seen metaverses that we can go and watch movies with friends like in the virtual IMAX type screens. Um, and then there are also metaverses where you can go and watch football matches in a, in a virtual stadium, um, like actually there in real life. I'm actually a big Tottenham Hotspur supporter uh, here in London. And during the pandemic, it was really great to go 
and see football uh, match within the metaverse. And it felt like I was actually in the stadium itself. So like, you know, for example, imagine like living in emerging markets uh, part of the world and then being able to go watch a match in one of the big European leagues without sort of physical travel and the associated costs. Amazing, right? Fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. And then there are also like social metaverses where people can organize things like casual get-togethers, have parties, art exhibitions, and, and museums. And so like, look, the thing is, obviously you can, of course, use your mobile phones and use your preferred instant messaging app to socialize with friends and groups of people. Um, but socializing in the metaverse makes you feel like you're physically somewhere else. And even though you know it's not real, it's perhaps the next best thing other than physically traveling elsewhere to socialize with family and friends. It just gives you another option of interaction within our digital suite of technologies. Yeah. So let me move on to gaming, um, Nick. Look, we've seen the so-called rise of the uh, digital native. And like more often than not, their generation is using the world of uh, video games or computer games as a way of socializing. Um, and so like in, so in video game worlds, uh, even if it's not fully immersive, for example, the PC, it can be thought of a metaverse because these are often persistent worlds that you can come back to and make in-game purchases, maybe like buy metaverse land or digital items. And then eventually these people are able to build a relationship with friends from all over the world within the gaming metaverse through the action of play. Um, I know we're going to touch upon this a bit later on, Nick, but lots of these brands are now partnering with these gaming metaverses as that's where the eyeballs are going towards, right? Um, and, and in addition to sort of gaming metaverse, Nick, we've also been seeing a number of metaverses apps for, for fitness apps, mm -hmm. uh, which have become very popular in the last couple of years. Um, and then, you know, metaverses also exist for things like educational purposes. So imagine being able to sort of allow children to explore the solar system but traveling into outer space uh, through the metaverse or be able to learn about the human body by traveling into human cells and so forth, right? It's just uh, a different way of um, learning. And sort of metaverse enables kind of uh, an immersive way of uh, understanding new concepts. Yeah. Um, and like when talking about different types of metaverses, uh, finally, there is something called augmented reality metaverses. Um, for example, today you can access through your smartphones. And so these are AR apps on your phones, for example, which can turn your real-world environment uh, into a giant treasure hunt or game. And in the future, we'll probably be wearing AI glasses while holding this podcast interview. <laughs> I think I think it's highly likely, and afterwards we'll go to a football match together. Hopefully, it's, uh, exactly, exactly. It is interesting because I think there are, there are people who you mention these concepts to, and they're like, "Why wouldn't you just go to it in real life?" But you know, the reality for most of the world's population is, you know, they can't get to such a football match. That's that's just not achievable. Um, so I think you know the democratization. Of particularly those extraordinary experiences uh, is, is something that's very exciting. Um, but maybe just, you know, you talk about a little bit about the brands, you know, what are big brands doing? I guess, could you talk a little bit more about, you know, what are the opportunities for brands in the metaverse? And I guess also, you know, the NFT space. 
Yeah, like that's, uh, that's another good question, Nick. There's a lot of uh, actually uh, activity uh, by brands today, even at this very early stage of the metaverse. Um, for example, many metaverse companies have been partnering with existing large brands uh, with digital versions of a variety of content. But first, Nick, like, let's step back a little bit and ask why are brands partnering with uh, with metaverses? The answer to that is kind of lies with what we discussed a little bit earlier on. Whereas the previous generations, including my own and ours, so probably grew up socializing in the physical world, uh, the so-called digital natives they often spend large amounts of time on the digital platform, say, gaming metaverses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and sort of one way of getting the attention of the next generation is for your mainstream brand to be present where these would-be consumers uh, are. And sort of many people think that the metaverse is going to be this place, right? Um, for example, you know, just to give you a set of examples, uh, we've seen musicians and brands partner to put on concerts in the metaverse with often millions of people uh, attending from all over the world. Like we said, democratizing sort of access of these experiences. Um, so basically the brands get visibility to the next generation of consumers. And also we've been also seeing, you know, major Hollywood studios making their brands visible within the metaverse. For example, their movie IP. Like another example we've seen is uh, a number of uh, high-profile fashion and luxury brands hosting fashion shows within the metaverse. So the catwalk of the future is indeed here today with the metaverse. Um, and also, you know, some companies have also been offering digital collectibles through the technology of what is called a non-fungible token or NFTs. So the idea is that one day you will really take this digital collectible asset from one uh, world to another, one metaverse to another. So at the moment, you know, one of the issues with the metaverse is that if you buy one digital asset or good or item in one world, you might not be able to take it to another metaverse. So this interoperability is going to be a key thing to be resolved going forward. For example, just like you would if you collected a jersey from your favorite uh, football team, for example, but you couldn't wear it in another stadium. Uh, it wouldn't be good, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like the utility of that, Nick, is that you can wear the jersey in any stadium. So the branding goes from, you know, one metaverse to another one. Yeah. Yeah. No, brilliant. We can certainly see plenty of opportunities. And it has been remarkable to see the take-up from the big brands into this, you know, fascinating new world and and particularly exploring that notion of digital assets and it's you know it's the first time i guess we've had a new asset class uh in a while so so some extraordinary opportunities there i guess just finally david you know any suggestions based on sort of the work that you've seen um any advice or suggestions for companies that are thinking about you know, whether they should have a metaverse strategy or what they should be doing with that strategy? Yeah, look, I think this question, like, uh, you know, actually takes us full circle back to the first question as exactly what is the metaverse was thinking about it uh, against the internet in the early days and what it eventually would become. Like at this stage, we're still very early stages of the metaverse. And if you believe the metaverse is where people will start to spend regular time, 
then this is, of course, where brands want to be seen, right? Especially as we've discussed where the next generation of audience are flocking towards. So at this stage, Nick, companies can be experimental and sort of try a host of different things to see what works for them and their sort of demographics and watch the evolution of the metaverse going forward over the next few years. So this includes things like we've discussed, hosting and sponsoring events in the metaverse, creating digital assets like NFTs, uh, alongside making their IP available with the metaverses for uh, users to consume. But sometimes it could eventually upsell your physical goods for the metaverse presence, or perhaps simply to make your brand visible in the metaverse to tell users that you exist and your company understands where the future is going and you'll be there in the future too with them. <laughs> Brilliant. I think, well, I, I, love, I love the idea of experimenting in the metaverse because I think, you know, it's very hard within large organisations, obviously, to, uh, to take risks and so forth. So I think, you know, small steps is what we're seeing from most organisations as they as they sort of, you know, just see what, what their demographics are interested in. So, uh, so thank you very much, Davey. I really appreciate your time. It's been a, a fascinating insight and I look forward to uh, next time we meet. We'll have our augmented reality glasses on and our, our various jerseys and, uh, and we can go and catch a game together. Thank you very much, Davey Jones. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Mainstream. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organisation needs a Web3 strategy.